Now, what I want to do today is we are teaching on, I, I say part 29, so now, uh, is that 30? Uh, I thought it was 29, so I got a 29 this morning, part 30, so that's, I'm, all, I'm all right. That's what I got to. All right, part 30. Now, we are in volume one, so we're not changing volumes. We're just going to go until the Holy Spirit said that's enough. All right, so part one. Volume one, I'm sorry, part number 30. All right. Oh, I love it. I love it. Pray for you this morning about 12 o'clock, 12, 15. Amen. Thank God for that when they got me up there. Uh, got a chance to go and pray for the people I love. Amen. I want to see you excel in the things of the spirit. I want to see you get everything that God gave you. That's my desire. I don't want you to come short. I don't want you to come short of anything. And the only way I can do it is keep giving you this word. The word must be your priority. I'm telling you now, it must be your priority. Now, I'm teaching on 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 4, 6. And verse 6 is my key verse. Paul says, I am now ready to be offered. I say it with me. I am now ready to be offered. Now, at this time, the apostle Paul was waiting on his people to come to take his life. And he says, I'm now ready to be offered. That word offered is the same word as a sacrifice. I could have said this. I am now ready to be sacrificed. Now. That's why when Paul gave us, he gave us Romans 12.1. Uh, look at Romans 12.1. We're going to look at the first two verses in Romans chapter 12. We're reading out the King James Version for a while here. Romans chapter 12. Paul said to us, I beseech you therefore, brethren. We're going to wait for the screen. There we go. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, for your life. And so that's why presenting your body is not like something I can help you do. I can give you instructions, but you got you to gotta be here. You don't want to be here. Last week I was talking to uh, about my sister down river. The day I'm, I'm going to talk about Saginaw. My daughter, I got two daughters just came in from Saginaw right over there. Wave at them. They were, here last, they were here last Sunday. They were here last Sunday. And they were here the Sunday before. From Saginaw, 75 miles north. My point is, how bad do you want it? My point is, you must offer your life willingly. You must give yourself willingly. You can't be coming complaining. Cold, raining, I don't know why I'm going. You need to go back home. Just go back home. <laughs> go back home. Because when you come to the house of the Lord, to the church where we gather together, you're offering, you're presenting your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, and if it's not willingly, it's not accepted. 
That's why we, I'm going to show you today, even when you give, you must give willingly, not grudgingly, nor on necessity. God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always have it, all sufficiency in, into every good work. In what you have to do. But if you don't give it willingly, it's not accepted. All right. So everything you do unto the Lord must be accepted. Okay. And you do it willingly. Um, let me give you a, a, a couple of things there under that word willingly. Like we're in Romans 12, uh, where we're at now. Our brothers, I just quoted it. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's how you're transformed, by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, I'm going to show you something that God showed me this morning. Let's go to the Gospel of St. Matthews, because this was the last thing we did this morning. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, I gave you three ways that people had to die during the days of Christ. Three different ways. Number one was crucifixion, and that's how Christ died. Crucifixion, he died on the cross. They had to nail the nails to his hand. We have that cross over there that was made for our youth ministry, uh, or what we call our children's church. Uh, so since they're done, we, we, we use it. They have one over there, but it's so big, I can't move that thing. That, that one is stabilized over there. But that one right there, we can move around. Now, you see the big nails in the hands over there. He had to put the nails in his hand, and then he put the nails in his feet. I always keep one on, over here because this is really... So that's, what the, that's how he hung. They had to put the nail in his hand and the, and the nails in his feet. All right, you put one foot over the other foot, and the nail had to be long enough to go through both feet into the wood. So they used like a sledgehammer to, to knock them things into the, into the wood. So now that had to be, he had to hang that. Those, that nail is what's going to hold him up there. But it, we know it wasn't the nail that held him on the cross, right? His love for us. Give a big hand. It's, it's his love for us, right? Right, right. So, so let's go into the word of God. Did I give you any scriptures so far? Matthew, that's where we're going right now. Let's go to the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to look at chapter 26 because God showed me something about this this morning. Uh, and what he showed me were the, two, the same two guys that he told to watch in the pray. We're going to see them in the book of Acts. That's my point. Don't forget that what I just said. Matthew chapter 26. We're going to look at verse 36. Now, I'm showing you because there's three ways that they died then. Number one way was crucifixion. Christ, that was the worst of, of sinners when they were crucified you. Because they left you, on the, left you on the cross. If they left you there, the birds ate the flesh off your body. So that's why they were crucified. And that's why you've seen some people, some picture they'll show when that person was crucified, all of a sudden that crow came on it and began to peck their head. We saw that on the prod, on the, on, uh, when they made the passion. Right. But that was really where it was. They left that flesh up there and the animals, the birds ate the flesh off the, the body. And when they got through with nothing but bones, they had a place right beside there was the place of the skull where they dumped all the bones. 
So that's why the crucifixion, but they saw Jesus Christ, they took him down. So you got to understand that. Now, and the other, other two guys represented the believer and the unbeliever. The believer, Christ said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Today. All right. And that was a person who believed. Lord, remember me, he says, when you come into your kingdom. So you going into the into the kingdom once you leave this body, you got to understand this body is the place you live here. Christ, the body of Christ or the kingdom of God is where you move when this body dies. So your salvation is that important. That's why you don't want to believe in you doing something for this. This was paid for on the cross. That's why we glow in the cross. Christ paid for your salvation on the cross. But it's no good if you don't receive it. You can't do nothing to earn salvation. You must only believe it, receive it. That's all you can do. So when I do at the end of the service, I will say to you, would you receive Christ? Would you receive his? How do I do that? How do I receive it? By believing Christ died for your sins. He was buried. And then God raised him from the dead. All this was for you. So will you receive it? Yes. Now what happened is God gives you the Holy Spirit. Now, if you was not saved like that, you need to come when I get through. You're not becoming a part of this church, so to speak. You're coming a part of the body of Christ. All right. Now, you want to be a part of this church? We'd be glad to have you. But at least be a part of the body of Christ. Because if you don't be a part of the body of how, I'm sorry, if you're not a part of the body of Christ, your soul going to die and go to hell. And you don't want that. All right. To be absent from the body, be present with the Lord if you have the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, to be absent from the body is to go to hell. There's the other side. All right. And I don't wish that on nobody. All right. That's why I preach so hard. All right. So, but here's my point. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 36, Christ says, watch this. Then come in Jesus. Then come in Jesus. With them unto a place. With them. These them is two men I'm going to name. And I'm going to show you that James and John. So you, if you got your Bible there, matter of fact, I do that myself. Uh, James and John. That's who them is. We'll show you that a little later. He came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go pray on And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. Now that's who they were. Peter and James and John. They went with him to prayer. All right. Now, he took them to prayer with him because they are going through the same thing he's going through now. They just don't know it. So he want to teach them to pray. They don't realize what he's doing. He's preparing them for the day like Paul going to have. They are dying. All right, so remember, and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. Two sons of Zebedee. He began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Now, why did he have to go here? Because he had to offer his soul. We look at that in Isaiah 53. Somebody can find that around verse 11. He made his soul an offer for sin. But he had to make his soul an offer for sin. Well, if he did not willingly lay down his soul his life, his soul, 
then the father could not accept it. Just like you cannot give your offering, you can't give yourself to Christ if it's not willingly. So you have to understand, you, people, people don't understand about God looks not the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. So are you, are you willingly coming? Are you, I don't care if I'm late, I don't care if I'm earlier, if I get there when I can. You got to understand, you got to look at what you're doing. You're offering your soul, your life to the Lord. That's what coming here is. And then you go out and you demonstrate it and among others. And walk it in the spirit and walk it in love. Okay? So, well, watch what happened. Verse 38, watch what Christ is going to say. Matthew 26, 38. Then said Christ unto them, my soul. Watch what Jesus says. Don't forget. Because you get down there later on, they're going to use the word flesh. you got to understand that word in, 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 interchangeable. It says, my soul is exceeding sorrowful. It is the soul that can be sorrowful. That's why it's the Holy Ghost that can be grieved by your soul. Okay? Your emotions come from your soul. Your soul can be sorrowful. Your soul can weep. Your soul can weep and you don't even see it in your natural flesh. Your soul can rejoice and you don't have to see it in your flesh. It can happen in your soul and not in the flesh. Your soul can be afraid and not see it in your flesh. It is your soul that fears. It's your soul that's emotional. It's your soul that worships God. Then he said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry here, wait here, he says, and watch with me. Wait here and watch with me, he says. And he went a little further and fell on his face and he prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from him. Now, this cup was talking about all what he had to drink. And his suffering. Remember that. Let this cup pass from me. Let this, what I'm going to suffer, which is going to be his passion, his death, burial, and resurrection, all of the suffering he's going to do. Nevertheless, he says, not as I will, but as thou will. Now, his soul wasn't ready yet. That's why he says, not as I will, but as thou will. So now he go back and he pray again. What is he trying to do? Bring his soul into subjection to the spirit. So now his soul and spirit both were willing. You, you can't worship God with the spirit being willing and the soul want to be at home. Or your soul don't want to be here. And sometimes you're here. You're going to church. No, I ain't going to church. Well, no, maybe I would. Maybe. You, see, you're not made of your mind. Your soul not willing to do this. Now, if you ask you, are you going to work in the morning? Yeah, I'm going to work. Oh, I'll be there early, matter of fact. Because <laughs> now you know that check coming in the morning. So that's willing. That's what I mean. All right? You don't ever hear nobody say, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know if I'm going to work tomorrow or not. No, if you got, if you got all that stuff paid for, you're going to work. You're not questioning that. All right. Glad to have that job. Amen. All right. Now, in verse number 40, 
he, said, he came back and found them sleeping. Now remember these two guys, he's preparing them, all three of them really, for what's ahead of them. That's why he's bringing them to prayer. Here he says, he coming to his disciples and said to them, Peter, James, and John, they will sleep now. What, will you watch with me one hour? You know, these guys slept every time he went. Matter of fact, when he went up on the Mount of Transfiguration, they were asleep. Mm -hmm. So he said, watch and pray that you're in or not in the temptation. Then he said, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. See, remember I told you last week, what was last week's message? Do anybody remember? Don't got to go look at your notes here. How do I strengthen my faith? Now, do you see why your faith got to be strengthened? Because if it, if it was weak, you're going to have a problem with weak flesh, a weak soul. And that's why people cannot worship God like they should because they're weak. Their flesh is weak. See, when a person gives in, to the three things of the devil, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, or sex, money, and power, is because they're weak. So my job is to make sure I strengthen you in your faith, and I gave you this morning Proverbs 27 and 7. We're not going that on this tape, but it says, iron sharpens iron. Proverbs 27, 17. Thank you so much. Iron sharpens iron, Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And what it means is iron. Iron is like a file. And a file has grooves in it. Edges, I call them. And with those grooves and edges is how you sharpen the iron. So the people who go through something have grooves in it. Like Paul said, he have in his body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you're going through a lot of stuff in life, you have those grooves like a file. So that's why you're able to file. The older woman, the one who's been around a while, they can help sharpen the young women. And that's your responsibility. When they want to know about something, they think they're grown. So you need to come and sit down. I need to talk to you. We, we, we need to go to dinner. Somebody say amen. And can't nobody sharpen them but the one who is the iron. You can't take another something else and sharpen somebody with iron. They must have faith. The word iron means faith. So if you're going to help sharpen somebody else's faith, your faith got to be ready to sharpen them. That means you have gone through something yourself. You have proven your faith, and you know your faith will work on that. All right. Now, these guys have been asleep three times. And when he come in last time, he just said, look, God will be done. He was ready to do the Father's will now. So he told him, sleep on. Take your rest. Now watch these same guys, when you get over into the book of Acts, they're going to have a problem. And guess what? Mm-hmm. Don't forget that. Now, I gave you Matthew. There's anything else I said we're going to. Okay, so if you got it, you have to be ready when I call it. Okay. Okay, that's what I'm saying. If you, you got to have your finger on it. You know what I mean? You got to be like, well, if you ask for I got this. Uh, Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 11, I says, right? I think that's what it is. 10, we start verse 10. So in, in the book of Isaiah chapter 53, the Bible talked about 
Christ. It said, yet it pleased him. It pleased the Lord. From here, we're going to go to Philippians uh, chapter 2 and verse 5. I want to get that willingly. I want to show you something. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief when... Am I sorry? Okay. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul... I just want you to see what was the offering. So when you come in here and say, present your body, live and sacrifice, what do God want you to present? Your soul. Your soul represents your mind, your will, your emotion, your senses, your feelings, your heart. So when you come in here, your mind somewhere else on your turkey or your duck. Whatever you're cooking, your ham, whatever, you know, your brisket. You worshiping God and your mind on food. See, you're not worshiping because you worship God with your spirit, with your soul. You worship God with your heart. Your mind must be on. It's just like me hugging or kissing my wife and I'm thinking about somebody else. What you think she would know is she know what my mind was. God know where your mind is. God looking now, now with pins, God looks at the heart. That's why he does that. So you, like, like Israel, what he said about Israel, they, 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 they worship me. They worship me, but their minds are where? But their heart, they have their hand raised, but their hearts are where? Their hearts are far from me. So in vain they worship me. And you know what he was talking about? The ordinances that they were doing. See, they, they were doing the ordinances, eating the bread off the table. But their mind was not on Passover. Because soon they ate that bread on Passover, they put their finger up and they walked out that door. Can't you see how that don't work? That's not worship. All right, now let's move on because I got a, a lot to show you. Isaiah chapter 53, I'm at now. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. His soul. He shall see his seed and shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. In verse 11, he shall see the travail of his soul. So that's why when Christ was in the garden, he knew he couldn't do it until his soul was ready. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. And his, by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their sins or bear their iniquity. All right. Now, all right. Now, here, here what I want you to do. Anything else? Philippians 2, 5. Thank you. Somebody, somebody listen to me, Lord. Thank you. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Because I want to show you what it means when Paul said, I'm ready to be offered. Paul was talking about beheaded. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Now, this is what God told us. Back at the verse number 4. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4. He says, look not on the things of yourselves. 
Look not every man on his own things. Because he's showing you how to worship. But every man on the things of others. This, this is what, you, what worship. Worship is, is walking in love, walking in the spirit. When you're walking in love, you're more concerned about others than yourself. This is what worship is. And then in verse number five, he said, now let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now he's the son of God. He's actually the Christ, the son of God. But he did not want to take the place of the father in the earth. He humbled himself, left his deity. As the son of the living God. One place you can find it for me in Corinth. It says he became poor. That you might become rich. He left his deity. Laid down his deity. And then came here to the earth as a man. So he can talk to man face to face. And not only that. So he can let man know he knows what he's going through. He came here to suffer with man. And then fulfill the scriptures that man couldn't fulfill for him. Die, buried, and raised again from the dead and go back to his seat. And the Christ, the son of God, finish his work for him. See, man could not have gotten all that God promised in the old covenant if Christ didn't finish the work. Man couldn't do the work the father gave him to do. The father said, keep this, keep this, keep this, do this, do this, do this, keep this. He couldn't. So Christ says, let me go down there. So Christ came and said, okay, Mary, I need a body. I need a flesh. I need a flesh body. Put on flesh, came here, grew up like you did, 30 years old. He was in the ministry. He born in B.C. 3, died in A.D. 30. He lived 33 and a half years. Now, out of that time, he only had a three and a half year old ministry. But in that three and a half year old ministry, he finished what man couldn't do from Adam all the way down to him. He had to become the obedient man. In the Old Testament, you only have to have one man obedience before God was pleased. I'm talking about with the whole tribe of Israel, 12 tribes of Israel. If one man disobeyed, they were all disobedient. See, that's what I'm going to get into probably next week. And that's why Christ was the only man in the old covenant that could obey his own word. But because one man obeyed God, then he was able to get everything for us through that one man. So all the blessing you have gotten is because one man obeyed God. Nobody else could obey God but Christ himself. He came here and obeyed his own father for, for us. So we can have the benefits of salvation. That is so awesome. And so we can be able to spend eternity with him. So in Philippians chapter number two and verse six, it says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant. That's a slave. He came here as a slave and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He found out 
that he had to die on the cross. See, you have to see Moses. Once Moses found out he was a prince, Moses went to be with his people. That put him in slavery. Voluntarily. So that's what Christ did. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God highly exalted him, has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. This is why this was fulfilled in the old covenant. And I think people still think that we have to do this. He fulfilled Joseph. See, every time he did something, Paul preached you the revelation of the mystery. So every time he did something, he fulfilled the scripture. When Christ came here and he says, upon this rock, I'll build my church. You ought to be able to say that was Joseph, not Joseph, Jacob. Why? Because you know the story of Jacob. When Jacob left his father's house, he went to sleep on a rock. And then he said, when he came back to that place, he would build the Lord's house. He had laid some stone. He said, well, if God, if you would take me where I got to go and bring me back to this place, I'll give you tithe of all. And up right here, I will build your house right here on these rocks. He called it Hebron. Jesus came and said, they ought to know Jacob up on this rock. I'm going to build my church. They didn't know the Old Testament. That's why they didn't know the New. Same today. So here in Philippians, God highly exalted him. They should have thought about Joseph. Joseph was put in prison as a slave before he was exalted. And the only reason he was exalted was he was able to tell them what tomorrow will bring. So Jesus went about all his lifetime doing good, healing all those with oppressed other devil for God was with them. They supposed to look at him and say, man, no man can do the miracles except God be with him. And they say, look, you shut your mouth, boy. You stand up to Christ, get out of church. That's what they did. When they say he was the Christ, they put him out of the synagogue. That's why they had Annas and Caiaphas and people like that as their high priests. And Jesus' ministry was really up against that because he was taking over the high priest position. So he told the young man on the, on the floor, take up your bed and walk. They said, well, hold on, how can you do that? You can forgive sin, son. He said, well, which is easier? Well, how would you have done it? You would have took him back here, killed a lamb for him, and now his sin would be forgiven. But he was not going to get off that bed and walk. So I couldn't replace the law. The law did not have faith. The law did not have the power to save. The law could not give life. Son, rise. Take up your bed and walk. A new law is in town called love. He did it because he loved him. Wherefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. He gave his son his name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, things in heaven. Now, this already happened, but things in heaven. Heaven is Jerusalem. Earth is the promised land. Heaven and earth. He's not talking to you. He's talking to Israel and things under the earth. And that every tongue shall confess. That's what they did with Joseph. Every tongue confessed Jesus Christ was Lord. They had confessed Joseph was Lord. And that's what, if you go back and study Joseph, what they do once Joseph 
became the Lord of all Egypt, the Lord of all the world, they had to bow the knee. Every time he come out, they bow the knee. You got your Google sometime at home? Google Joseph. And you want to know about building a stone? Go do, go do Jacob. He built a stone. That's what Jesus up on this rock, this stone, I'll build my church. That's what Jacob did, build a house on the stone. See, if you know, the, if you know that's why you have your pastor here. Let me put it that way. All right, let's move on. Now, I want, to, I want to check anything else I got before I go get to going here. Did I finish? Where, where am I right now? I can't understand what you're saying. That's my point. I'm not here to read all that. I'm here to show you where that. I got too much stuff to read everything. All right, I gave you three places of, 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 of death. Number one, the cross. Number two, stoning. Now, I'm, I just showed you Christ, and you know Christ was killed. Let me, I'm, I'm not going to give you all this about Christ. I was going to show you those two guys, but all that's not something I want to show you. I showed you enough of that. I got to get to the wood beheaded. All right, so let's, let's, go, let's go look at it. Let's go to the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 6, verse 27 through 29. I'm going to be in the King James for a while. The Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 6. And the first guy we're going to show you that was beheaded was John the Baptist. The Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 6, verse 27 through 29. So you can write this down. We'll go there next. The next guy we're going to go to the book of Acts, chapter 6 and 7. So we, in chapter 6, we're going to look at verse 8 through 11. Chapter 7, we're going to look at verse 58 through 60. Let me say it again. The next place we're going to stop at is Stephen. He's going to be stoned to death. We're going to show you that in Acts chapter 6, verse 8 through 11. Acts chapter 7, verse 58 through 60. That's all the verse I'm going to be able to give you. All right. Then we're going to give you Acts 12, verse 1 through 3, James. Now I'm coming down. That's why I'm giving you my note. So don't play, you know, don't play with me. Mark chapter 6 and verse 27. Immediately... Waiting on the screen. Oh, and immediately the king sent an executioner. So you have to understand something that when they killed John the Baptist, it was not something the king wanted to do. The king knew that John was a man of God. But because he made a vow to the woman that danced for him, and she danced for him and pleased him, and then he called her over to him and said, look, I give you the, ask what you want. I give you the half of my kingdom. Her mother said, come here, girl. I want the head of John the Baptist. Mama, I could have all, listen. Mama, I could have all of his kingdom, half of it. I want the head of John the Baptist because I get rid of that prophet. I got the half or the half of the kingdom. Mama got that. John is the one keeping us from that. They brought John in. Now that's where we're at right now. So here it is. Immediately the king sent an executioner. Now this word, executioner, was one of his soldiers. And commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded John in the prison. 
and brought his head in a charger or on a platter and gave it to the damsel and the damsel gave it to her mother. And when the disciples heard of it, they came and they took up the corpse and laid it in the tomb. They cut John's head off in the prison. The way they cut your head off would be with an axe. With a blade, probably about a foot long. And when they dropped that blade on your head, your head went one way, your body went the other. Or they had a sword. Where they tied your neck to a place where they stretched you. And they came with a soldier with the sword and they cut the neck off and the half of it was hanging in the body on the ground. This is how Paul died. So when Paul says, I'm ready to be offered, he probably saw the soldiers coming on the horses to get him. And he knew he was next. All of Jesus' disciples were killed in one of those three ways. See, you got a whole lot of folks talking about they wish they were one of the twelve. <laughs> is, that something, is that right? Is that right? You just go and wish for yourself. Okay, what, I, what, I, what I'm going next. Now, you should have my notes by now. All right, Acts chapter 6. Let's keep, let's go over. Now, we're going to go to Stephen. We got to move right along here. In Acts chapter 6, in verse 8, we have Stephen. Now, Stephen has preached all the way from chapter 6. You, when you, Stephen was one of the, the, the people who they chose. We call them deacons in the church. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost. But they had done some miracles and these people didn't like it. So here in, in Acts chapter 6, in what verse? 11. Right? All right, we're going to start verse 8, he says. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Now, why would you people want to kill you for that, right? Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines, of the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians, and of them, Gilead and Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Then they suburned men who said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words. That's the same thing they did against Christ, against Moses and against God. Now, that's the same thing they said against Christ. Now, I'm going to go from there to what verse? Chapter 7, what verse? Chapter 7, verse what verse? Verse 58, right? All right. And they cast him out of the city. Now, remember, they're getting ready to kill him. They cast him out of the city. They stoned him. Now, he's preached to them chapter 6 and chapter 7. Took them from Genesis all the way down to Christ, and they still killed him. Now, how in the world they, he would know the Bible? They ought to know this man was from God. They cast him out of the city and stoned him. I said they stoned him. To stone them means they dug a pit, which we like a grave. And they threw him in there like they did uh, Joseph. He was in a well. This was not that deep, but they put him in a place as deep as a grave. A grave, I used to dig graves from down south, and six feet. So uh, you dig a grave six feet tall. And it had to be a certain width. 
I don't remember the width. But anyway, they put him in there so he couldn't just carry out. And then people began to stone him, starting with the high priest. And they began to throw rocks inside his head and his face until they knock him out and he lay down in the grave. And then they cover up the grave. That was his grave. Called stoning to death. So neither one of them was good. If you choose A, B, C, they were all bad. It's better to live for Christ. Cast him out of the city, stoned him, and the witnesses laid down his clothes. Their clothes on a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen while he was calling on God. That's an awesome thing, the man calling on God. And they, they kept on throwing them stones. Saying, Jesus, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice saying, pray for him. Lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. The man stopped and prayed for them while they killed him. That was Stephen's. All right, who we got next? Acts 12. Put your finger on it. You won't have to hesitate. You'll know the next thing. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. The first three verses. In this chapter, you have James and they're going to kill James with the sword. And then because the people liked it, they put Peter on there for next. We hold him to Easter. We give them something for Easter. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Who did he kill? The brother of with the sword. So when Jesus was going in the garden praying, who went with him? James and John. And what did he tell them? I'm going to show you. I don't have time to go through that, but they were talking about drinking this cup. He said, you indeed going to drink of my cup. Those are the two boys, sons of Zebedee, acting you sit on the right hand and the left hand of my kingdom. His mother went to Jesus and said, can my boy sit on your right hand and your left hand your kingdom? He said, can you drink of this cup I'm drinking? He said, yeah, we can drink of that cup. He said, you go drink of the cup. But to sit on my right hand on my left hand is not mine to give. Why? Because that was for the church. It's just like asking you, can you sit here? I just married Sister Crump. Can you, can you see what he's saying? Who sat beside Christ? See, you don't got it yet. You don't got it yet. Let's move on. What, what, where I'm going next? I didn't give y'all nothing after Acts chapter 12. All right, let me get back up here. Give y'all some more. All right, now we're going to go to, I'm not going to do, do the rest of it because they're going to, they're going to take, I want to show you some, I want to show you the word beheaded. So write down the word beheaded because I want to take you somewhere. They already beheaded James. The two sons of Zebedee, they were fishermen. All right, let's go to, uh, uh, I showed you Peter and John already. Yeah, no, nah, I won't go back there. Let's go to Revelation. I'm going to go to the end first and I'm going to back up. No, I'm going to start at verse 1. Now, Revelation 20. Let's go there first. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 4. You want to write, write these down because I got 12 minutes. I want to get them all. Revelation 20 and verse 4. I'm only going to say them one time, so if you can't do that, you're not the writer that I need today. Revelation 24. 
Then we're going to go back to Revelation 6, 9 through 11. Then I'm going to go to Revelation chapter 1, verse 9. 2 Timothy 1, 8. Revelation 3, 1 through 6. Revelation 4, 1 through 4. Revelation 6, 9 through 11. I gave you Revelation 6, 9 through 11. Revelation 7, 9 through 17. I'm not going to do 2 Timothy 1 8 and Revelation 1 9. I'm going to do the rest of them. Let's start off at Revelation 24 because I don't have the time. Got about 11 minutes. Revelation 24. Are you there? All I want to show you is beheaded. Now, at that time, to be, and I'm not here to put down Jehovah's Witnesses, but at that time, to be a witness, at that time, you was a martyr. So there's no Jehovah's Witnesses today. Because there's no Jehovah today. Jehovah was a name given to God by the children of Israel because they did not know his name. So when I get to the teaching, I'm going to do a teaching. I'm going to show you. I told you I'm going to do the seven. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how many seven, but everyone is going to be seven. I say I'm going to do the seven name, but it's going to be in the seven. It's going to be a mixture of seven. Seven names, seven feasts, seven. I'm going to show you all of what all of it means. Everything is him. So when I show you that, that's a series I got in another series. Whew. I'm so ready for you. I could preach to you a week. All right. Now, let's go here. So my clock is ticking. <laughs> I know that you're right, girl. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 4. Are you there? Revelation 24. And I saw thrones. And they that sat upon the throne, we're going to show you who they were. Because how many ever heard people say, we all go wear a crown? We used, to, we used to sing that song. We going to wear a crown. I'm going to show you what not you, you going to wear no crown. <laughs> and then you heard some folks say, we're going to take our crown and we're going to lay it at the feet of Jesus. How many have heard all this stuff? I'm, see, you, all that's church, church folk talk. I call it preacher talk. You know church folk talk. That's not the Bible. Only the people I'm going to show you in the Bible who wore the crowns and had on the white robes. And I'm going to show you why they had them on. Are you ready for this? All right. Revelation chapter 20 verse 4. And I saw thrones and they that sat upon the thrones and judgment was given to them. Now this already happened. If you think judgment is still coming, you're in you're the old covenant. And judgment was given to them and I saw the souls here we go. I saw the souls of them that were beheaded. I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. See, that's why I was going to give you Revelation 1 and 9 because John was one of the witnesses of Jesus. Revelation chapter 7, there was 144 witnesses of Jesus. So you hear people talking about they're Jehovah's Witness. You are not a Jehovah's Witness. Now you can go over there and and wait around till the Lord come. Maybe you can get your head cut off. I don't know. 
But I don't think you want to go through all that just to prove you're a Jehovah's Witness. But that's what happened to all the witnesses. The word witness means what? Martyr. I saw the souls of them that were beheaded, martyred, for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had, the wor- had not worshipped the beast. The word beast means king. It don't mean no devil, no throwing horns on his head. He's talking about the king. You had not worshipped the king of Rome. It's not hot. Neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads and in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. It's not hard. You just have to take all the stupid stuff out. All right, now, what else I give you? I'm going back to Revelation 6. Okay, let's go back there. Revelation chapter, I thought I said Revelation 3, one of them. Huh? Let's go three first. Let's do three first. Then we go back up to six. Revelation chapter three. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis, right? These things says he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. And that thou hast named that thou liveth and are dead. But be watchful. Watch what he says. Strengthen the thing which remain. That are ready to die. Now, them folks ain't still over there waiting on God to strengthen them. And they still ready to die 2,000 years ago. For I have not found thy works. See, it can't be you. Perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard and hold fast. Hold fast what's your faith? And repent. That's what he told them. People still preach repent to today's church. How in the world the church going to repent, man? Sit down somewhere. <laughs> repent me. In the old covenant, turn away from your sins. New covenant means change your mind. Now, people in religion, tradition of men need to repent, but they won't. They still eat bread off a table in 2022. And the Bible plainly told you, Christ is your living bread. Now, I want that living bread. I want that bread on the table. Mold it. That's what it is. If you go back and start the old covenant, they had molded bread. Remember, therefore, thou hast received, heard, and hold fast, repent. If thou there shall watch, if you shall not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come on thee. He talked to the church. Matter of fact, he talked to the seven churches. This one was Sardis. Ain't no church of Sardis. You can look on the thing, they'll show you what Sardis used to be. Thou hast a few names inside us which have not defiled their garments. They shall walk with me in white. There it is. They're going to walk with me in white garments. For they are worthy. White garments mean what? what? And it also means righteousness. All right. It's righteousness that make you worthy. Not because you have a white dress. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed with here it is, white raiment. And I would not blot out his name out of the book of life. You are not in the book of life. You are in a person. Can't you see the difference? That was a type. Even in Genesis, you know what Moses says? If, they do, if, if you do not change your mind and, and, and say you're not going to kill Israel, take my name out of the book of life. Blot my name out of your book. They had a book of life, no covenant. The book has been fulfilled. It's not a book no more. 
It started off in Genesis as a tree. It always went to a book, and now it's a person. You are not in a book. God is not writing your name. Write my name on the road. I've been now what happened when you mess up? He writes your name back in the book. And then all of a sudden you take your name out the book. Then you put your name back in the book. Then you... Oh my God. Somebody about to get some white out. Because <laughs> you're going to mess up. See that's so dumb. Those dumb songs, man. He said, he that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess... Remember, that's why they was under the confession. I will confess his name to my father and before his angel. He that has an ear, let him heal the spirit's head through the church. We're in chapter 6, right? Come on now. Revelation 6 and 9. You got to be ready for the next one, Revelation 7. You should have your notes already ready. Revelation chapter 6, verse 9. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls, there they are, of them that were slain. Beheaded for the word of God and for the testimony which they hear. I mean, who were they? They were the 144,000, some of them. And they cried with a loud voice. I'm going to hear it here. And they cried with a loud voice saying, how long? I'm going to show you. They said, how long? Oh, Lord, holding true. What did they say? Come on, I need you to pay attention now. You got to get this. How long? What did they say? How long, O Lord, holy and true, does thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on earth? How long? Now we're going to, watch this. What are we looking for now? Some of y'all still, that's what I'm trying to say. It takes too long to catch up. You don't have to write down how long. Just think, how long? All right, let's go to Revelation 11. Let's see did it happen. And let's see who did it. No, I know I'm not done. You, you preach the next time. That's my wife there, you know what I mean? <laughs> listen, listen, watch this. I'm going to show them how long, honey. Honey, baby. <laughs> Darling. See, I won't get nothing to eat. I got to check it. I got to fix I got to fix that up. I won't be able to get nothing to eat out of church. <laughs> Revelation chapter. All right, here we go. <laughs> All right, Revelation 11, 18. Are you there? Let me ask this out of here. Are y'all here? Revelation chapter 11. All right, verse 18. Revelation 11, 18. Here we go. And the nations were angry. Why? Because your wrath is come. Not coming. And the time of the dead that it should be judged. Well, when the Lord come, he's going to do this. See, all would happen. And that thou should give reward. Remember what Paul says? When you read 2 Timothy 4, 6-8, he had a reward coming. You don't have rewards under grace. You were saved free. You owe him nothing, you owe you nothing. He says, rewards unto your servant. You're not servants, you're a son. Then he says, the prophets. He's going to give reward to his servants, the prophets. And to the saints. That's not you. Neither one of you. You're not the prophet and you're not the saints. The saints were Israel. The prophet was the people who were sent to Israel to tell them what God says. You still got folks today still want to be prophets. Let me let that alone, Reverend. 
And them that fear thy name, small and great, and should destroy them, which destroy the earth. Now the earth is not planet. The earth is what? How many know? The promised land. I keep telling you, write that down. It's the promised land. It's the first thing God created. God created the heaven and earth. He created the promised land, Jerusalem. Please write that down. Let's get over that. Let's get on. That's why everything happened in the earth. When God made Noah, when God made Adam the king of the high priest in the earth, he put him in Jerusalem. And he lost it. And that's why the devil ended up. And after that, he gave it to Noah. And the flood came up on the earth and killed all the flesh that was in the earth. And then he gave all the earth to Abraham. All this land, promised land I will give you. Israel came out of Egypt. They went to the promised land, the earth. When God destroyed heaven and earth, in the book of Revelation, it says it's a new heaven and new earth. So you got to know what that means. It don't mean new Pontiac. It's a new Jerusalem, which are real people. And a new heaven. That's why in the book of Revelation, you don't need no temple. In the city of Jerusalem, in the new covenant, you don't need no temple. Hello, temple. See, that's what I'm saying. We, we, if you ever get who you are, you ain't the city, you're the temple. Israel, in the first chapter, in the book of Revelation, they came out of the old covenant. They were the city. The city made up of lights. That's why he told them, let your light so shine among men that we will see your good work and glorify the Father which is in heaven. See, they are the city. You're the temple that's going to be sitting in the city. Please write down who you are. If you ever get who you are in the word, you know who you are. I'm going to do a whole teaching on just the temple. It's going to come up not long from now. And I'm going to show you what's in the temple, how it got in the temple, and when you finish, it's going to be what's in you. The first thing you're going to see is prayer. <laughs> And you ain't praying. Ah, and you the temple. Like, I'm trying to tell you. Okay, why well, I say I'm going? I said chapter 6 already, right? Let's go back to 6. Revelation chapter 6. Verse 9, it said, When he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar souls of them that were slain, beheaded for the word of God and for the testimony that which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord? I showed you Revelation 11, 18, and that's what they showed you. How long? I never showed it to you. I did. But that, that was, uh, I didn't show you the right verse, did I? He showed you how long. So when you read, so, so he told you it was fulfilled. That's what I showed you. You can read a few verses before that. I'm not going to be able to go back there. Let's go to verse 10 says, they said, how long, O Lord, holding true? Does thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given to them, every one of them. It was said unto them that they should rest for a little, a little season, rest. 
on the film of Little Season, your servants also and your brothers, your fellow servants, servants, slaves, and your brothers, that should be killed as they were, where they were beheaded, should be fulfilled. They all had to be killed and fulfilled. What I gave you next? Chapter 7. I, I thought I gave you my notes. I just did 7. We're going to 7 next. Right there. <laughs> Revelation 7 and 1. 7 and 1. Come on. Revelation 7 and 1. I already did, I already did 9 through 17. Okay, let's go to Revelation 7, 9 through 17. Thank you. Remember, they already took the 144,000 out in Revelation 7, right? Let's continue. After this, after they took the 144,000 out, I beheld and lower great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, kindred, people, tongue, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, <coughs> excuse me, clothed with white robe, and palms in their hand. They were clothed with white robe. Why did they have white robe? Righteousness of the saints. And, and they cried with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God. Salvation had come, right? Who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb. That's it. Anywhere else we going? My time is up. We'll we have to do that next time. My time already gone. Hey, I tell you what, I'm not nearly done with you. I'm going to show you white robe was given to them because they did not have righteousness like we have. Christ is our righteousness. So they were given white robes, and white robes, the Bible said, was called the righteousness of the saint. That's the verse you should have found me. White robes were given them. That white robe was called the righteousness of the saint. It was called linen. Linen. It's what the priest wears. It's what Jesus wore. His priestly garment was made out of linen. So that's why they were given linen, the priestly garment. They were all kings and priests unto the Lord. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So, hey, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 9 told you how to be saved. This is how you say 1 Corinthians 15, over brothers, I declare to you the gospel which I pray to you that you have received and where you stand, by which also you are saved. If you keep in memory what I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. There are people believing the wrong message to be saved. Your message is to believe. Christ died for your sins. Say it with me. Come on, this is your salvation. Say it with me. Christ died. See, I believe. Christ died for my sins. I believe. God raised Jesus from the dead. And now he's my Lord. So he, was, he died. He was buried in my grave. And God raised him from the dead to make me right with God. That's my salvation. Now give the Lord a big hand for your salvation. My time is up. I thank you for yours. And the door of faith is open unto you.
Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.